want to talk with you this morning about Romans chapter 12 that Paul wrote. And of course, he summarizes in those first two verses why his life was lived the way it was throughout the book of Acts. The subtitle is one that comes out of the consideration by some people that once saved, always saved. You've heard that kind of teaching. That is not biblical teaching. That is a Calvinistic kind of point of view. But the scriptures doesn't, don't teach us that once we are saved, we cannot lose that salvation, that we cannot fall from grace. But we ought to be understanding this morning of how blessed we are in Christ Jesus. That his grace is extended to us. His grace, which is what we don't deserve. And he extends his mercy, which is keeping us away from what we do deserve. None of us deserve what we have and where we are in life. So we thank God not only for his grace, for, for giving us what we don't deserve, but for his mercy, which keeps us away from what we do deserve. And that's why Paul starts where he does in Romans chapter 1. But I want to remind you uh, this morning that there are two words in the Greek that speak to salvation. There is the salvation spoken of in Mark chapter 16, for instance, mm -hmm. verses 15 and 16. And that's a salvation that's described in the Greek as sosu, S-O-Z-U. We know there that the, the Lord spoke to the disciples and said to them to go into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That salvation, that entrance into the place where salvation is, that being called out of the world and placed into the body of Christ is referred to as sozu. But there is another salvation which comes when Christ will part the clouds and come back for the general resurrection. That one is referred to as soteria. So many who embrace the verb form of salvation, sozu, they're in the church, have to understand that they can lose that place if they don't keep striving toward soteria. Let me give you an idea of where soteria comes in in the biblical teaching, in most of the New Testament as well as the Old, the word that is used for salvation is soteria, which means that final, that final thing that is done. Even though we're in the church, we know according to Matthew 25 that everybody who's in a saved position won't be in a saved position at the judgment. Something will have changed that sozu so that my soteria is now affected. What changes it is not that I believe we are saved 
once we are in the body and we can do nothing to be unsaved, but if the scriptures teach us anything, it is that we won't receive this crown of life, even though we are in the body, until Jesus comes back to get us. You'll remember in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul talked about he's fought a good fight, he's kept the faith, he's finished his course. In verse 8, he says, and henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me when? In that day. Not right now. Even though I'm in the body now. And even though I've been placed in a position to be saved, I'm not actually saved eternally until the Lord gives me that crown. Until he says to me, according to Matthew 25, you've done a good job. Oh yeah, you've been saved, you've been in the body, but now you've done some other things that helps you to culminate your living for Christ by receiving this crown of life that faded not away. You don't get that right away. As a matter of fact, we sing about it. No cross, no crown. So even though we're saved, there's something we have to do to maintain that salvation. And I want each of you to listen very carefully this morning to what Paul says. Now I want you to put in your notes as well, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 9 along that line. Because you can hear it in the words according to the Hebrews writer in verse number 9. Listen to that. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He is the author of eternal salvation. We don't have eternal salvation yet. We're in a saved state, but we're not saved eternally just yet. But the Bible says that the Lord has made it possible through his perfection that eternal salvation will be available to all who obey him. So there is some struggling. That goes on after we become members of the body in that saved state. So I want you to think about this. Once saved, always struggling. Once saved, always struggling. So what's Paul talking about here? Well, the text says Paul, relying on what he had lived encourages the saints at Rome to do something about their present condition. He really urges them to change. He urges them to choose to change. Now I want us to read that passage again in Romans chapter 12. And let's just dissect it for a moment. Paul says, I beseech you, I implore you, I beg you, 
brothers, and brothers there is neutral. So it's brothers and sisters. I'm begging you by the mercies of God. In other words, I'm begging you because of God's mercy shown to you. That's what this is about. He's not threatening them. He can't take anything. You know, God is not going to take anything from you. God only wants what we're willing to give. And here, Paul, because of his understanding of what it is to live for Christ, begs his brethren and sisters at Rome, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, that is set apart, sanctified, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some other translation says, which is your spiritual worship. You're not worshiping until you are on the altar. And that's what he's calling them to. Brothers and sisters at Rome, because of what I've been through and because I know something about the mercy of God. You know, anybody who realizes God has been merciful to them ought to feel some kind of obligation. What about that for you this morning? If you know that God has been merciful to you, do you feel any kind of obligation to him? Because that's what Paul is saying. I'm begging you to submit yourselves as living sacrifices because you know how merciful God has been to you. See, we, we, we get in the habit of distancing ourselves from worship. We talk about, I'm going to church. You don't come to church. You are the church. You come here to worship. So when we're getting ourselves together to come to this place, it ought to be in our hearts that we are coming to collectively and individually worship. And if you're doing it right, worship begins long before you get here. And it lasts long after you leave. If the only time you worship is when you walk through this door and you stop when you walk out that door, that's not worship. That indeed is simply attending. Worship is about something entirely different. And Paul says to these Christians in Rome, you ought to know how to worship God because you are the recipients of his mercy. Now look, Lord have mercy. I want you to understand this. The devil wants the same thing from us that God wants. Our body, our mind, and he wants our will. In that order. And that's why Paul says in this first verse, it is only your reasonable service. It is your spiritual worship to get on the altar to sacrifice yourselves, your body, so that you can then 
worship. You will sacrifice yourself to the degree that you appreciate God's mercy. Doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. It has to do with you. How have you been blessed by God's mercy? Now, let me show you something. The, the, the word therefore, we always, when we see the word therefore, speak of, well, when you see therefore, you ought to know what it's there for. And whenever you see the word therefore, it's really talking about what has gone before. And then you reach a conclusion that begins with therefore. Now, this word appears, therefore appears five times in the letter to the Romans. It appears in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to follow this for a moment now. Because in Romans chapter 6, Paul is talking about whether or not we should continue in sin that grace may abound. And he said, of course not. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then in verse 4, he says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Then I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 7 and verse number uh, 4. You'll notice that in that connection, Paul is talking about the law and that a man is under the law as long as he lives. He says, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. And then he goes down to verse 4 and says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. And then in chapter 8 and verse number 1, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And then to settle all of them, in the 12th chapter, the fifth time the word is used, Paul says, therefore, my beloved brethren, I beseech you. I beg you because of everything I've already told you from chapter 1 through chapter 11. I'm drawing a conclusion after I've taught you about the wrath of God and the penalty of death and that no one is righteous. I've taught you about God's grace, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, and the peace that we can have through him. Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual Worship. Well, why does the Lord want our bodies? Some may be asking. My old, wretched body, diseased, overweight, with our nearsighted eyes and our deaf ears. You know, we, we under the old law, God didn't accept just anything. That lamb had to be spotless. Uh -huh. 
It must have no blemishes. It must, must be the pick of the litter. Number one and a male. And when you bring that animal, the animal didn't have any choice. He was put on the altar and the altar signified slaughter. Now when Paul talks about presenting yourselves, you know when you present something, you lay it down and you leave it there. That's when you present something. We're not talking about just letting somebody look at something. We're talking about when you present something to the Lord and on the altar, you don't See, we like coming to the altar. We don't like getting on the altar. The lambs were laid on the altar and left there. God doesn't expect us to crawl up on the altar and die. But he does expect us a life to live a life on the altar. To dedicate ourselves, to commit ourselves to a certain lifestyle. And I say to you again, we're only going to do that to the degree that we understand how merciful God has been to us. We ought to stop asking for something. Some folk don't think Christianity is alive unless they're getting something from God. That's what some folk think Christianity is. Lord, give me this. Give me a new car. Give me a new job. Give me a new house. Give me a higher salary. That's not Christianity, folks. They're begging God. Christianity is not about what we get from God. It's about what we give to him. That's where our Christianity is lived out. So why does the Lord want my body? Tell you something. The Lord wants everything the devil wants. He wants your hands. He wants your eyes. He wants your words. He wants your flesh. He wants your libido. Mm -hmm. He wants everything that makes up me to be dedicated to his service. What does that mean, Brother Anthony? In your everyday walk in life, when you present yourself, what people see is Jesus because you have sacrificed yourself. Your body is his and all of it. He wants your flesh. You know what that means simply? When you decide to do something, check with God first before you do it. When you sit back and conjure up in your mind what you're getting ready to say, run it by God before you say it. Whatever it is you choose to do on a daily basis, run it by God before you act on it. And that's giving him your body. That's why Paul do, was doing the things he did. Because he had already sacrificed his body. And therefore, everything he did, he showed Jesus in the doing. Have you ever, you, those of you who bake cookies, you bake cookies, some people bake cake, some of you bake cookies. And, and one of the things you find out when you're baking cookies is that you have a mold, if you have a mold to put the cookie in, so that it's shaped just the way you want it to be shaped. Whatever doesn't fit in the mold, 
You scrape that off. And you throw it away. Because it doesn't fit the mold. Well, when we are placed in the mold that Jesus has for us, sometimes there are things that we bring with us that don't fit the mold. And the Lord has to wipe that up. Sometimes the Lord has to perform surgery on us. Now, now we're familiar with surgery, and you may be smart enough to determine what's going to need to be done for you, but I don't know anybody who picked up the surge of the, the, the knife, the scalpel, to operate on themselves. God sometimes has to cut away from us those things that don't fit in the mold. And see, when you live in for the Lord because you realize how merciful he's been to you. And you know, some of us look at other folk too much. You need to remember how merciful he's been to you. Just how merciful has he been to you? Some of us don't fit the mold and the Lord has to cut some things away. Sometimes your nasty attitude don't fit the mold. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our inconsistency don't fit the mold. Sometimes the things that we want to talk about and the jokes we want to tell don't fit the mold. I said the Lord wants your eyes, brothers, sitting around glancing. Say amen when you can. Sitting around glancing and peering and looking. God wants your eyes to suggest how grateful you are that he's been so merciful to you. Not the person sitting next to you today, but you. That's why he says, I need your body. And then the second thing the scripture says to us, is that once we do that, once we give the Lord our bodies, he's not satisfied just yet because he wants our mind. And that's where verse 2 comes in. He says, and do not be conformed. In other words, stop being conformed to this word. Conform. That's an outward action on us. That's pressure that we feel from the outside conforming us. And world there is not cosmos, but eon, which means that we're talking about in each age. So it's just as relevant for us today as it was when it was written. Do not be, stop being conformed, fashioned, molded by this present world. Lord have mercy. Are we fashioned by this present world? You best believe we are. That's why the Lord wants our minds. Your body can't be mine until your mind is mine. There is no change going to take place in the body if there is not a change in my mind. The Bible says the devil wants our mind too. I want you to think this morning about 
how the world affects our mind in everything. Through social media, our minds attack daily. Through TV, through radio, it can change our mind in a heartbeat. You can be out uh, and, and not having a good time, be in a mood, and all of a sudden on the radio comes happy people, happy feelings. And all of a sudden now we're ready to throw our hand out the window. We're feeling better simply because of a song. That's the impact. Music is designed to control our minds. Some of us have been being controlled for a long time, don't even realize. What happens in your life when you hear that, when I get that feel? Hello? Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. What about him loving you in Rome? <laughs> That's the world conforming our minds. See, and some of us listen to a whole lot more of that than we do this. So when we come in, we come into the worship service with R&B songs on our lips. We refer to that often when we talk to each other. Because the world is affecting our minds. The same thing that God wants is what the devil wants. Mm. Why is my mind so important? Because God knows whatever I do in my mind is eventually what's going to show in my life. He asks that we be therefore transformed. Don't be, don't be compressed with what's happening in the world from the outside. But be transformed. Transform is an inward action that changes us on the outside. You'll remember at the resurrection, Jesus transfigured. The Bible says he was transfigured in Matthew 13, 43, right in front of them. Transfigured, changed, transformed. And that is what God is calling us to do, to show the world a different us than existed before we met the Lord. And why change? Why change? Because of the mercies of God. Not because everybody else is doing it. Not because church wants me to do it. Not because the preacher and the elders want me to do it. But you don't have to beg me to commit my life because I know how good God has been to me. I'm a witness of his mercy. If nobody has been merciful, God has been merciful to nobody. He's been merciful to me. Because, see, as I live this life, I haven't put down everything yet. You may not want to be truthful, but you know. I'm not in that category by myself of people who let go of a lot of stuff they were doing, but still hold on to some things. 
But as I continue to renew my mind and sacrifice my body, Paul said I have to buffet my body daily to keep it from doing what it wants to do. And in Romans 7, he had to break down and say sometimes his mind ain't in the right place. Even some things that I want to do that I know are right. I do the wrong thing. That's your mind. That's your mind. See, giving in to the desires of the flesh. The Lord says, I want you to sacrifice those things. All of us know about sacrifice. Probably none of us like it. Because sacrifice means you have to think. And you have to make some decisions. Anybody in here with children know what sacrifice is. There was time when you got what you wanted to get before the children came, but now the children are there. Come on now. Sister Brittany. Now that children are there, you just can't do what you used to do. You can't spend like you used to spend because you got to sacrifice, give in to somebody else rather than your own needs. Sacrifice ain't easy. And then husbands. Anybody who's married knows about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I know there are times when you look at your mate and you know in your heart of hearts that's right. That what you said and what you believe is right. I mean, you know, Brother Anthony, deep down in your heart, I know what I'm talking about and I know I'm right. But what do you end up saying? Ba baby, I'm sorry. You right. We must live our lives. Lord, I know what I want to do. But I'm going to give in to you right now. Because I want to be a living sacrifice. Mm. And then let me end this by saying, the Lord wants our will. The devil wants our will too. That's your determination to do one thing or another. You know, Jesus had a will, just like we do, and he exercised it. He at least spoke on it in Luke 22 when he was about to go to the cross. While he was in the garden, the Bible says he prayed to the Father, Lord, this cup that's before me, let it pass. And then it's almost like he caught himself and said, but not my will. But yours be done. Oh, Lord, if we can just live that. To be able to distinguish between God's will and my will. And know when to give in. When God's will doesn't line up with my will, it's time for me to give in. And say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And then Paul says, then we can experience that soteria. At the end of all things, when the Lord will come down and claim those who are his yeah. 
in the general resurrection. So, folk, don't be confused. You are saved once, but we are always struggling. <laughs> always. As long as we live, we're going to struggle even though we are saved. And if you stop struggling before you get to Soteria, what you will hear is depart from me. Psalm in Matthew 25 says, how can that be? I'm saved. You know how people act. There are some folk who glad they're saved because that means to them they can act any way they want to act. See, people who think once saved, always saved, say, I, 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 I cussed you out yesterday, but it's all right because I'm saved. I'm saved. I know I acted up yesterday in my behavior, but all is good. I'm saved. If I want to drink a little bit on the side, it's all right because I'm saved. Don't you understand? But, folks, we're not saved eternally. See, it makes no difference being saved here now. We're not saved eternally until we hear that voice of Jesus saying, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So don't give up, folks. Don't think you're going to ride in. The Bible says, Peter says, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, then where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? We're going to continue this tonight. I wanted to leave that with you this morning. I could speak another 30 minutes on this, but thank God I got some sense. Got some sense. But if you hear this morning and you understand that you have been fashioning your life after this world, that you've been conforming rather than transforming. That you have confused coming to church with true worship. Spiritual worship. Which is based on what? My understanding of the mercy of God. To the degree again that you understand that mercy, you ought not be able to hold your peace. You ought to be willing to live for Christ every day, whatever you do. Because you are so thankful for his mercy. And we're still relying on that mercy. Some folk who shake their fist in God's face in rebellion are receiving his mercy to do it. God didn't get you up early this morning for you to come in here late. Talking about you coming to worship. Jesus came from glory mm -hmm. to save us, and some of us can't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Came all the way mm -hmm. from glory. Mm -hmm. And we don't have enough respect mm -hmm. to get up out of bed mm -hmm. and drive 15 or 20 minutes here mm -hmm. and come in talking about, I'm here to church. <laughs> Help us. Help us not to point the finger. Help us to look in the mirror. Where am I in terms of my appreciation for God's mercy? 
oh Lord, I don't know which one is better, God's grace in giving me what I don't deserve or his mercy in keeping me away from what I do deserve. If you hear this morning and you've heard this, the message is yours to be received as we stand and sing the song of invitation.